Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Due diligence on classic business is brought to you by Deal Leaders International Leaders in mergers and acquisitions. Now, as a business owner navigating the world of M&A, you've got to grasp the difference between an offer and a deal. The M&A environment is sometimes littered with jargon and TLAs and complicated procedures that can be intimidating. And I think understanding the difference between these two phrases might have a very big influence on your strategic decision making and the way you pursue your business development or your exit. And I'm joined now by Andrew Bolman, Chief Executive Corporate and Advisory Deal Leaders International. Andrew, welcome. And we're picking up from where we ended off on the offer component uh, the last time out. Just recap what the key tenets of an offer are that distinguish it from a deal. Hi, Michael. Um, Yeah, so essentially, you know, I, I always use the analogy of the offer almost being the ticket to the game. And, you know, as I mentioned in our last discussion, the majority of offers these days are driven off a, you know, almost a non-binding framework, um, despite that they are are comprehensive. And it gives a high-level overview of what the buyer anticipates the deal is going to look like. And typically that would include a value, a structure, a timeline, you know, and, and the likes. Um, but it really is that it is the first step that once a business owner accepts that that non-binding offer, generally it would move that buyer into a state of exclusivity, and then you know the, I almost say the, the real work starts because you're now moving from circling around the dance floor to start dancing together, and and so it really is. And I said before, you know, the non-binding offers are a lot more comprehensive and almost binding these days than they were five years ago. Um, but it's still, the deal isn't done. And now you kind of, because it's so high level and a buyer's had to base it on very high level information, you've now got to go down a couple of, mm. of levels down to do the real work. Speaking speaking of the ticket to the game, uh, there's a great mm. movie, Moneyball, with Brad Pitt. And there was a scene yes. in Moneyball where he sits down with a, a catcher who whose shoulder isn't as good as it used to be. But he says, I want to move you to first base. And uh, the catcher looks at him bewildered and he says, is it hard? <laughs> and Brad Pitt's sidekick says, uh, uh, it's extremely hard. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but I, I, get, I, I get the sense that when you're then migrating from um, an offer to a deal and getting mm. to that offer refinement and doing the due diligence, that is the extremely hard part, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it really, really is. You know, I think it's... I think the starting point from from the almost the mindset as a business owner is you've now got to almost drop your guard because you've got to allow a third party to to come into your inner sanctum, and anybody coming into your environment, it's not that they're trying to sell you a product or a service. They actually are here to look for risks. They sure they want to look for value, but they also part of the due diligence process must add, you know, add value and risk, and they want to make sure they're buying what they think. So it does become arduous. Um, the, the due diligence process in the current environment is very, very extensive. You know, there's just a lot more work that needs to be done. And, yeah, it is very hard, you know, and and it's long, it's drawn out. And, you know, it's probably the first time if you run a, an effective process that to a degree you lose a little bit of control because now it's being driven by the buyer. And that can be quite, you know, arduous and exhausting because mm. of, you um, you know, you, you've still got a business to run most of the time. 
um, and you've got all these third parties coming in and, and looking at all your dirty washing and, and yeah. just peeling everything away. And often the first time that the rest of your team get exposed to a potential deal. So there's your internal, you know, human dynamic, if you like, around what does this mean for my business and my team and, and all of that. So, yeah, it, it really, I always say 30% is getting of your time and effort is getting to the offer. 70% is closing the deal. And that's such an important factor when you raise the specter of a due diligence, meaning this now being known amongst your broader team. If you're not proactive and communicating that ahead of yeah. time, then rumors around the water cooler can rapidly spread and undermine any of yeah. the, the the good work that you've built up from a human capital perspective. So it just shows you how, how tricky these um, these processes can be. As we're migrating from that point, I guess refining the offer can lead to one of two outcomes. Either the due diligence picks something up and, and you terminate for whatever reason, or you then move yeah. from an offer to a deal. Um, yeah. Take me through those two streams and, and what tends to lead to a termination of offer and what tends to then migrate into an actual deal on the table. Yeah, so I'd say the most common reasons, I guess, for for an offer not to progress into a deal is obviously through the due diligence process is if the buyer picks up something that they're not happy with, so it could be a risk, or what they they thought was was a reality based on the initial information shared with them, um, you know, it hasn't played out in reality. And a good example there would be if you're looking at a, at next year's forecast or budget and through the due diligence process, you're a couple of months into the deal and the numbers have dropped off materially. So that's that's definitely something that um, that could cause you know a, a, an actual problem. Um, if if the due diligence process um, is you know once it's concluded and that would be financial, tax, legal, whatever you know all of all of those sort of components. Um, the the buyer's comfortable that they've they all the moving parts of the boxes have been ticked. They will then move into almost deal making phase, and that there will be a final negotiation around the price. So that non-binding offer now becomes binding mm. around the price, the structure, the terms, and then start looking at the legal agreements and the warranties and all of it. So, so that almost becomes the point of no return, if you like. Um, we always hope that due diligences are confirmatory, um, but it's at that point where the buyer now goes in, you know, eyes wide open and, and you know, start preparing finalization and if there's comp-com submissions and all of the like. So generally after the due diligence completion is that tipping point between whether this is going to become a deal or not um, or whether the buyer is going to extract um, and, and we've had one recently where the client extracts they're like you know what we've decided not to sell you know and then and then yeah. that's also hugely frustrating but it's it's the exception you know i must say yeah. that in, in our experience yeah it's often through that process of cleaning up the business that you might see uh, that maybe there's a bit more value there that uh, you, you know mm. for five years you want to stay on and extract now um, Absolutely. as an advisor i suppose you, you play an important role here when it comes to that final agreement to ensure that all of these negotiated terms and conditions are effectively mm. captured in that final agreement absolutely yeah it's critical you know i think the because what's so important about you know often you're depending on who the buyer is, uh, generally whether they're local or they're listed, um, is is the, that finalization of a term sheet almost. And that term sheet posts, you know, the due diligence really 
encapsulates all the key elements, if you like, of, of what the deal is going to look like. It also encapsulates the spirit of the discussions. And that's often, you know, you may sound like say it's a bit of a kumbaya qualitative statement, but, you know, the, things are done and negotiated in a certain way. And it's so critical that they are captured correctly in the legal ag- agreements before the legal terms are introduced, if that makes sense. Mm. Because, Generally, the parties at the table, particularly from the buyer side, could change the individuals themselves. So I could negotiate with Bob, who's head of M&A of a, a multinational today, and in two years' time, something goes wrong and Bob's moved on. So it is so important to get both the, the clarity and, and the detail correct, but also the spirit of, of what's been put in place. And, and yeah, it, there is very much a practical and commercial approach to that before you bring in the legal approach. And I think often guys jump to the legals too quickly and then it just becomes, you know, a debate between the the lawyers around who's legally accurate and correct and who's mitigating whose risk versus mm-hmm. what was originally put in place. Yeah, and that's last, you know, that's really the last place you want to find yourself uh, because, yeah. Uh, yeah. to be frank, <laughs> billable hours absolutely. seem to trump common sense. Huge. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. When we get to that point. Now, in your experience, and I know you, you don't tend to run auction processes, but mm. uh, do you think there is some kind of advantage to have uh, multiple offers on the table? And, and how might that impact the negotiation dynamics if, um, if you are a seller and you seem to yeah. have multiple offers, um, might that put buyers off in that it looks like you're trying to play one off against the other, mm. or, or can you actually extract better value through a process like that? Yeah, look, our experience is you could absolutely extract value, and I think the 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 auction process, um, I suppose it's where does the auction kick in? I think if you open and, and honest and you know transparent with various buyers at the table that – you're going to be running a process where there's going to be multiple parties at the table. Um, and they haven't committed third-party resource. Generally, you can make it work. Where it doesn't work is where you're playing one off the other. That just really you know, doesn't work. Um, because, again, if you've done your work properly, you've given the buyer sufficient information to put their best offer forward. Um and yeah, you know, I, I, we will always say you you may have multiple parties at the table, but you've got to treat each party as though they're the only party there. Um, but again, you know, it's become quite the norm to have multiple parties, you know, going after a particular asset. Mm. But as soon as you start getting into an auction or playing one off the other or whatever it is, if it's not underpinned by sound information and proof and something that's going to stack up in a due diligence um it's gonna it's gonna go nowhere and you can end up having no buyers because through that process you've got to protect your client's brand um and you've got to manage your client because the the risk on the flip side is you know if i've got six offers on my business you know do i become greedy and it's my value expectation now becomes unrealistic so so you've almost got to you know manage it both ways but i think it's important for a a business owner to at least have choice because it's not only about the value it's you know the the biggest driver that we find is fit you know can i work with these cars will my people be okay mm. are we aligned at a cultured values level the structure so is it all up front or is there an earn out or profit warranty how's it going to be funded because if there's third-party funding then the funder is going to impact the valuation and, and all of those variables so yeah, quite a quite a matrix approach is is required. Um, 
But I always say, you know, although we are sell side, you know, we're going to see the buyers again in the market. So you want to make sure that the relationships are preserved and they're managed properly um, and transparently because it can become very messy. And I've been, we've been, you know, with another party where they ran an auction process where you had three parties doing a due diligence. So that committed third party resource. And that's a nightmare. Yeah. Because as a client, you can't handle three parties at the same time. And secondly, two of the three are going to lose out and they would have spent a lot of money. So, yeah, it's, I don't think that pure auction works anymore. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it damages mm-hmm. reputations across the board. Mm, I mean, it's hard enough to ensure effective and, and clear communication between parties mm-hmm. during negotiations um, yeah. just one-on-one. Now you bring in all of these other complexities. It, c- it can become extremely yeah. unwieldy, especially when you're dealing with sensitive information here. Mm-hmm. Um, when you... Uh, guide your business owners throughout the very intricate journey from an offer to a deal. What is the most yeah. Im- important from a communications and, and relationship aspect? What is the most important advice that, that you tend to give your clients when going through this process up front? I think the, the first piece of advice is it's going to be, <laughs> like, we, like you mentioned, it's going to be hard <laughs> and it's going to be time consuming. But it's, you know, it's always around there's got to be a structure. And and there's going to be a filter, and it filters us. You know, obviously managing you know how how this thing is is going to play out. But the most important part is reality on the table. Be open, honest. Um, you know, share as much as possible. Um, disclose as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Because you know, there's always challenges and there's always risks and whatever it is. Because by doing that as early on as possible, you you build trust. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, when you start the negotiation and it, it's kind of evolving from that offer into the deal, is you start out almost at opposite sides of the table. And by doing, you know, building that trust quickly, um, it gets everybody onto the same side of the table. And then you're working towards a common goal. Mm. So I think, you know, that, that shift of kind of, as I mentioned earlier, dropping your guard. Um, actually saying these are the issues that that we're dealing with. Um, also defines how you're going to work together as partners. So, you know, if you do it up front and all of a sudden there's a negative reaction, they weren't the right buyer for you and you can call it early. Yeah. Um, but, but, but the biggest piece of advice is, yeah, always be transparent, build trust quickly, um, and, yeah, get, get to the sensitive stuff as soon as possible. Um, because yeah, often what happens is you leave it till the legal drafting to bring out some skeletons, um, and then it's yeah, it's too late almost, and it just falls over, and everyone's frustrated. And and as the business owner, you've lost a lot of momentum. Your people, are, you know, are aware of a transaction that can backfire. So yeah, yeah get it get it early, and um, and also a timeline. It's got to be managed. Yeah. You know, whether you're doing it with an advisor or by yourself, yeah. make sure that there's a structure to it. Uh, it reminds me um, in the listed space of the approach that Andres van Heerden, the CEO of Afrimat, uh, takes to his capital allocation and deal making strategies. And he's one of the top deal makers in in the mining sector. And yeah. uh, there, there was an asset recently, I think it was a Kravenhager asset, where there, there was a key water use license, but it came out very late in the due diligence process and it just terminated trust. And yeah. he terminated yeah. the deal overnight. He just walked away. He said, no, I can't. Absolutely. You know, once that trust is gone, it's very difficult for me to now work with the uh, the individuals on the other side of the table. The, a lot of this, you know, it speaks to the art and the science of selling a business. And that's what you're <laughs> going to be talking about at a behind-the-scenes discovery day on the 13th. I'm really looking forward to it. What, what What's on the agenda? 
Yeah, no, we are looking forward to it. It's actually the second one we, we're running. Um, we did one towards the end of last year. And I think, you know, a lot of the time it's to peel away the layers of or, or open up this Pandora's box, which is actually, you know, this M&A unknown or giving business owners insights into all the moving parts from our perspective in, in what it takes to conclude a successful deal and, and our process and the depth that and resource one's got to throw at it to, to do, you know, a really, really good deal. And I think it's, you know, it's such a huge decision to be running a business today and then decide tomorrow I want to set it or go to market. Um, but there, there's a whole lot of questions and you don't know what you don't know. And we found that the format that we take our, you know, the, the attendees through allows you to actually get down to quite a granular level and start dealing with the real issues on your mind and, and getting comfort by kind of seeing it from the trenches. So, yeah, it's kind of a – it really is, you know, the feedback's been great. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of clients from it. Um, but it also just it sheds a lot of light on, on what a process should look like um, and, and what it takes. Because I always find that, you know, when we engage with potential clients is you've invested so heavily in this journey um to to build this incredible business you can't flip it quickly there's there's a there's a process to it and i think you know we not only does it give insights into what it takes but it also gives insights into working with the right advisor because it is a journey it's it gets a bit messy um yeah. and you you know like anything you want to make sure you're working with the right people that align with you so it's also you know for my partner and myself it allows us to let the team shine because it is about a team and um, it gives our clients comfort that you know it's not us operating out of a of a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of skill and energy that that can be leveraged. So yeah, we're looking forward to having you as well. Well, although there are some good coffee shops in the neighbourhood, it is Fricker Road <laughs> in Santon, and it is kind of the heart of of kind of venture capital, private equity, mm. South Africa. So really, I'm looking okay. forward to that as well. And you know, I mean, Andrew, the the point is, you know, advisory firms have they've gone through programmatic exit and acquisition processes and they know what works mm. they understand what doesn't work and so there's that wealth of knowledge that you can share yeah. into and and shine a light into Absolutely. that black box of the process i'm really looking forward to uh to attending and uh, certainly to refining my skills in an arena mm. that i absolutely love and very passionate about mm. and uh, and follow quite closely as a financial journalist so thanks so much for having me and uh, we'll be able to report back after march 13th uh, to the listeners if, if someone's out there if they're a business owner and they're yep. curious and they want to attend mm. uh, is are, are there still uh, seats available or is it full up there are a couple there are a couple if you go to our website so it's uh, www.dealleaders int.com or you just google deal leaders um it is there on our homepage. so yeah you know i think it's definitely there are a couple of seats we do run three of them during the course of the day so um yeah it'd be great if, if there is somebody out there wants to get a you know a better feel also it will give you insights into what's happening in the marketplace because we've often spoken about it you know what's actually happening happening in the MS spaces counterintuitive to the doom and gloom of the economic outlook yeah um but yeah yeah yeah, anybody out there please reach out and you know it'll be good to to host you there we go march 13th put it down in your diaries andrew bolman chief executive corporate and advisory deal leaders international sharing uh, his insights on going from an offer to a deal in this week's due diligence here on classic business as always brought to you by deal leaders partnering with you Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.